Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Grain by Train podcast for Grain Week 18. I'm Greg Northey from Pulse Canada, and I'm joined by Milt Poirier of QGI Consulting, who manages the Ag Transport Coalition, a consortium of agriculture groups that produce data and reports on rail service and performance. How are you doing today, Milt? I'm good, Greg. How are you? Good, thanks. So the Week 18 report is in the books. Um, it reflects performance from November 28th to December 4th. What was the situation with the railways during that week, Milt? Well, that was uh, effectively the third week, if you will, of the service disruption that we saw um, in Southern BC. So CP had opened um, about five days before that, partway through week 17 on, on uh, the 23rd, I believe, but with reduced capacity. CN, though, after having tried to reopen that week of November 27, 28, and having minor success, had reclosed and then opened uh, up the following week. So they're pretty much still out that week. Okay, so CN was basically running on limited, very limited amount of trains. I think we had heard at one point, you know, it was five, five trains a, a day or, or each way on, on, on the CP line during that week. So what did their performance look like in week 18? Not good. Um, a little bit lower than the week before, actually, which didn't, uh, is not really surprising. Um, so they fulfilled only 51% of the orders for shippers in week 18, which was down from the 53%, I think, the week before. Demand was very low, you know, 2,400 cars in total, which is not really far off the levels that we'd seen for the two or three weeks prior to week 18, and that, frankly, we expect to see for the next few weeks as we head through uh, the month of December. Uh, which is, you know, kind of the underlying story that we've seen all year, how demand is, is low and yet railway performance hasn't seemingly compensated for that. Um, but even with that low demand, you know, CN only managed to spot 1,200 cars uh, for week 18 orders, which is not good to say the least. More disturbing uh, for me is that while the Vancouver outage is very real, it's had a significant impact on both railways, CN and CP, and the performance numbers certainly reflect that, you know, with CN only fulfilling 22% of orders from shippers uh, for the Vancouver corridor. The performance issues are not limited to Vancouver. Prince Rupert has not been good and was not good again in week 18 where CN only fulfilled 45% of shipper orders. And Thunder Bay was not particularly good at 74%. So those are their three main corridors, and they were well, well, well below their uh, year-to-date average performance in all of those corridors. And in week 18, those three corridors for CN represented 95% of demand. So you don't perform in those, the rest don't matter, as they say. Generally, CN, you know, they, they tend to ration. So they tend to ration orders and, and take them essentially off the books. Are they, have they been rationing, Milt? Not a lot, surprisingly, because it was always, you know, as we've seen in past years when they got into trouble for whatever reason, um, it was a strategy that they went to fairly quickly. So far this year, not so much. And surprisingly, not through, you know, week 16, 17, and 18, they're 
been a little bit of rationing, you know, one train this week, two trains the week before, but nothing significant, um, which is interesting because, you know, in the past, that would have been the first place they went. Having said that, we are hearing rumors from shippers that we may see a higher level of rationing in week 19. So once CN got their terminal or their line open and they did an assessment that, you know, now we've got all these cars that we have to try and get to the port of Vancouver. Um, I think they may have decided to stem the flow of orders into Vancouver and, and perhaps even canceled some outstanding orders that were on the books from prior weeks. I mean, we'll see that as we go through our analysis this week, but that's one of the things that we're hearing from shippers. Before we leave CN, I mean, the Prince Rupert numbers are, I think, quite interesting. Obviously, Prince Rupert is solely served by CN. A um, lot of talk recently uh, with Vancouver of, of trying to utilize Prince Rupert more, asking you know, shippers to, to try and go to that port, port more. But you know, that kind of performance into there, it, it, it must be difficult uh, for shippers to a, see that as a, as a desirable um, gateway for them if that kind of performance is there. Like what kind of impact does the, does a low uh, order fulfillment have on a, uh, um, on a desire for a shipper to want to move into Prince Rupert? Well, it's not good, obviously. I mean, um, I mean, CN's been very inconsistent in Prince Rupert Corridor this year. They've had some good weeks, but they've had far more poor weeks than they've had good weeks. And week uh, 18 is, is definitely on the poor side of the equation with, you know, 45% of orders filled. But what we see happening at Prince Rupert is, is a very uneven um, order fulfillment performance. So that speaks to performance in the country. Cars are not getting spotted on time in response to shipper orders. And that's been going on for much of the year, but particularly in the last three weeks while this outage was going on in, in the Vancouver corridor. And then orders get filled, but they tend to get filled and released in bunches. So you have kind of a feast and famine process going at the port of, of Prince Rupert where there's either a lot of cars or there's very few cars and they kind of come in waves, you know, days apart or weeks apart. And we're seeing that develop again this week. Um, as we spoke about in our daily this morning, you know, they have no cars at Prince Rupert this morning, but they're expecting to get 600 in the next 36 hours, which is, you know, ridiculous to try and plan um, staffing and, and unload operations at a terminal when you've got that kind of an uneven supply situation. But from a shipper's perspective, obviously the equation is significantly more complicated. It's not just about rail service, but rail service is important. It's about terminal logistics. It's about vessel logistics. It's a bunch of different things they have to figure out if they actually want to use Prince Rupert as an alternative to Vancouver. But the, the poor railway service or the inconsistent railway service certainly does not help that you know, decision model. Well, let's move to CP. Uh, slight improvement from last week, Milt. Um, what did you see from them? Yeah, a little bit better. You know, they were uh, obviously terrible, or the numbers were terrible in, in week 17 at 48%, and they managed to pull that up a little bit um, to 57% in week 18. Still not very good, but better. Um, for them, just like CN, demand very low, 2,600 cars, which is 
when we look back, the lowest one week demand that we've had for CP since week three, which was basically the middle of August at the start of the grain year. Um, and then all of a sudden, boom, we're at 2,600 cars in week 18. By the way, we don't think that's going to change a lot in the next few weeks based on the preliminary demand numbers that we're seeing for week 19 and week 20. Um, and again, like CN, CP is not uh, just about Vancouver. Like Vancouver obviously was a huge determinant of their overall performance. I mean, they only filled 34% of orders for shippers going to Vancouver, but they struggled in Thunder Bay as well. And this is the second week in a row, I think, where they've struggled at Thunder Bay. So it's interesting that, you know, at not quite geographically, but certainly for grain, almost at the opposite ends of the, the network, Vancouver versus Thunder Bay, um, they're struggling in both places, which is, or to deliver cars going to both places, which is kind of interesting. So I'm not sure if that's a function of their train sets getting out of sequence and they're having a hard time getting back into the proper cycle, uh, but it's certainly showing up in the numbers. Thunder Bay hasn't been very good two weeks in a row for CP. Thanks, Milt. Uh, from a provincial standpoint, anything catch your eye from a performance aspect for the, for the provinces? Not particularly, kind of following along with system performance, which we might expect. Uh, very consistent story showing up again in week 18 for CN in Alberta. Uh, you know, the worst performance for CN across all three provinces, 28%, which, you know, is even worse than, or, uh, than the week before, which was 29%. Uh, the one anomaly, frankly, was Manitoba, which was 100%, which kind of stood out like a sore thumb. Um, but that really is about uh, a low level of demand all in one corridor, Thunder Bay and CN performing well in the Thunder Bay corridor in week 18. So CN's problem is without a doubt headed west, not headed east, and, and the numbers reflect that. CP was a little bit better, much like they were at a system level. All three provinces kind of got a bit of a lift. Um, but, you know, whether you look at the system or you look at uh, the individual provinces, the corridor issues are pretty consistent for both railways. Yeah, thanks, Mel. So we're now beginning week week twenty. Um, so th things have obviously changed since the week eighteen report we've talked about. Um, you know, the, the demand story, like you, you just suggested, is is pretty incredible. It'll be interesting to see what 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 is what is going to look like in March. Whether there'll be any kind of demand on the on the network, but. Now that we're in week 20 uh, and the Vancouver situation at least seems to be stabilizing, um, you know, what, uh, what's, what are you expecting going forward now with respect to the service disruption? Uh, well, on your point on the demand issue, I, you know, you, I, you say it somewhat lightheartedly with respect to what kind of demand will be there in March, but frankly, there's a lot of people in the industry that are starting to think that there's not going to be very much demand there in March. Um, so it has the potential to actually get worse as low as it is now. Um, on the disruption front, uh, both railways have now been operational for a full week. CN uh, basically came up full time uh, a week ago yesterday, I think. Um, they are both operating at reduced capacity still and likely will for a number of months. I mean, they've repaired track and bridges and all the things they needed to do in order to get uh, 
back to the ability of running trains, but they're doing that with slow orders. Um, and those slow orders, you know, will remain in place until probably their spring engineering programs when they can get in and, uh, you know, do the heavier repairs, if you will, um, as opposed to the band-aids that they, they did uh, just to get operational again. So, you know, better, uh, showing positive signs, but still not at 100% by a stretch. So things are, you know, what we can see in our data, things are improving uh, in the Vancouver corridor and made significant gains in the last week. Um, we look at it from a couple of perspectives to try and come to that conclusion. One is, what is the flow of cars, in, grain cars into the port on a daily basis? Uh, obviously, for, you know, the better part of 10 days or whatever, when the railways uh, went down, there was nothing. Uh, and slowly those numbers have started to come up. And uh, while it's still a little bit stop and start on a daily basis, um, it has been better. And this past weekend was the best that we've seen since the disruption started in mid-November. We had 2,000 cars, grain cars arrive at the port from Friday to Sunday. Um, and if you look at it day by day, it was like 300 on the Friday, and then it was you know, 800 uh, or 700 on the Saturday and then a thousand on the Sunday. So it's, it seems to be getting better and better, which is a good sign. Um, hand in hand with that is, is what we refer to as the backlog of traffic in the corridor. Um, you know, when we look back a couple of weeks right after the disruption, there was 5,000 grain cars sitting under load that were basically stalled on route. Now they were spread all across the corridor everywhere from, you know, Kamloops and coming all the way back to origin stations in Saskatchewan, but they were all loaded and they were all trying to get to Vancouver and had no place to go. So um, what we see now is we got that number down to about 1700 um, on Friday of this past week. And we had a bit of a turn going in the wrong direction here over the weekend in the last 48 hours, that number jumped by about a thousand. So we're back up around that 2,600, 2,700 car mark. Likely that's temporary. Um, I mean, we'll know better in, as, the, as we go through a couple of days this week, but it's not unusual to see a short-term spike and then smooth itself out and, and you know, a continuation of the downward trend. So all in all, on that front, I think some positive news over the last week to 10 days. And now the question is, you know, does it continue? Um, I guess the other point I would make is that, you know, despite that the rail numbers for grain seem to be getting better, we always have to remember this is not just about grain. Matter of fact, we're the minority or, you know, only a fraction of the traffic. If we look at the port of Vancouver itself, it becomes pretty evident that, um, we're a long ways from being, you know, out of the woods on this one. Vessel counts at the port are extremely high. Um, you know, this morning, between vessels at berth and vessels at anchor, this is all types of vessels, by the way, um, 77. And that's down from the peak, which was last week, and that number was 81. And if we go back to just before the disruption, that was 44. So work to do yet.
Yeah, thanks, Milt. Uh, appreciate that. And as always, we'll be watching to see how this uh, how this goes. Uh, for those of you who would like to see the reports, you can go to www.agtransportcoalition.com. And we'll talk to you all next week.